Um, we're going to continue the series on being a servant of God. Today we're going to look at a passage in 1 Corinthians 13. You're going to see it on the, on the screen there. just wanted to say and kind of reinforce what we've been talking about now for, for some time, about a month or so. And uh, remember that when it comes to serving uh, the Lord, our, our greatest example, our greatest model is Christ himself. And remember we looked at when he fed the 5,000? How that um, he had compassion in his heart seeing that it was late in the evening and they didn't have any food and nowhere to buy it and in spite of the fact that he told his disciples to, uh, to, you know, to, to see what they had to, because he wanted to feed them. They saw the resources limited but they didn't know that what they had in their hands the Lord was going to be able to multiply because we need to look at the source not our resources when it comes to serving the Lord. And he was able to feed not just 5,000. The commentary suggests it could have been uh, two or three times that amount of people. And everyone was satisfied. So we, we see that what drove, what motivated Christ was his compassion for them. He saw a need and he met the need. Amen. And we saw that also, uh, and I'm just doing a little bit of a, kind of a, I don't know, review of what we've seen so far. Remember when uh, Peter uh, and, and John were going up to the temple to pray and they did that every day and as they were headed up the, uh, through the gate called Beautiful they saw a man who, who was crippled, who couldn't walk, who hadn't walked uh, any day of his life uh, begging for alms and, and, and they, they saw him and they said you know we don't have silver, we don't have gold but what we do have we give to you in the name of Jesus. So we learned uh, in that sermon, uh, we saw how they saw also a need. And then they took what they had, Jesus, and they shared that. Amen? We learned also, and I think it's important for us to understand, that um, we're not the manufacturers of these blessings, of these gifts that God's given us. We're simply distributors. We're vessels, we're instruments. We're tools in God's hands. He's, he's the master carpenter. We're just screwdrivers and pliers and hammers. and uh, You know what I mean? Uh, that, we're, the, we're the tools in his toolbox. Right? And we just simply allow ourselves. We, we make the commitment to, to allow God to use us. We, we learn of Isaiah. We talked of how... Uh, the Lord needed someone to warn Israel of their sins and of their, uh, where they would land or end up if they didn't turn back to God after having left Him and abandoned Him and following after idols. And, and Isaiah stood up and said, Here I am, send me. And, and a Paul who uh, went out originally uh, with threats and letters in hand to arrest Christians you know, in Damascus, and on that road to Damascus, the Lord appeared in a bright light and, and, and blinded him, and he fell off his, I was going to say high horse, but it was a high donkey, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then his first thing he says is, who are you? He understood that a divine intervention had taken place. What would you have me to do? So we're supposed to be doing the things, serving the Lord, ministering, uh, and discipling uh, those that are in the church and evangelizing those that is sharing the good news of the gospel to those that don't know him yet. 
We know we're to make him known, that's here in the church, so that he can then be made known. Right? I stole that one from Harvest. That's their motto. Knowing God and making him known, but it, you know, it's still true for us. So this passage in this series is for us to understand that as a church, we are the body of Christ on earth. Amen? We are called as believers to be His hands and His feet. Do you believe that? Do you understand that? Amen? And so, what are we doing as His hands and His feet? What are we doing as His mouthpiece? Right? Well, we're extending His love to those that are lost in this broken and dark world. Again, we're extending his love to those that are lost and broken in this world and, and they need to know about him. We're like, uh, we're a light. We're, we're told in the scriptures that we're a light uh, uh, set on a hilltop that cannot, right, cannot be hidden. Uh, you can't hide a light on a hill. We're, we're, like the, we're like the moon to the sun. We're a reflection of Christ. We're a reflection of his light. And so, in, in that particular way that's how we serve men so I want us to know that uh, uh, as we look at serving the Lord and being a servant of God that there's a certain way that the scriptures tell us that we should do this amen and it's the best way and it's love we're to do it through love. So I want to have you stand with me. I'm going to read this passage that you're going to see up here on the screen. And hopefully when we leave at the end of the service uh, this morning, uh, we will feel motivated and go out into the world and let people know that Jesus cares about them. Whatever the need might be out there, that's, that's the goal. That's what I believe the Lord would have me share with you this morning. This passage um, uh, is read, uh, is always read at weddings. But I'm going to show you something a little bit different today. Let's look at it first. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 7. And you'll see it up there on the screen. It says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing or evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Now, I could read the rest of the chapter, but at this point I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to go ahead and... Uh, work on, on these passages. But I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer. If, 
before we start the sermon. Amen. So Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and we ask and we seek, Lord, that you would allow the Holy Spirit and, and your truth, your word, which we just read in this passage in 1 Corinthians 13. Allow it, Lord, to be understood. Allow it, Lord, to sink into our hearts and not just be knowledge or we now have new information and uh, but and leave it there but uh, go in one ear and out the other but father that we would allow it to change our hearts transform our hearts so that we could uh, practice these things uh, uh, live these things that we're going to read about we know it's not possible lord without uh, a correct uh, knowledge of these things and not possible at all lord without uh, the holy spirit uh, helping us and we thank you for that grace Lord that we have when we serve you that we can grow and we'll make mistakes but uh, our desire Lord is to continue to become more like your son Jesus and what a great example he's given us and our prayer this morning as a congregation is that we would leave today uh, different than how we arrived that's 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 what we like Lord we pray and we ask of you in Jesus name amen go ahead and have a seat so again, um, I read this passage at uh, Jesus' and Ade's wedding, and also at uh, Pablo and Tanya's wedding, and also at George and Vanessa's wedding. God, I married three couples in here. Wow. Did I marry, did I marry anyone else? Okay, just, get, just want to make sure I don't leave you out. If you're looking for this passage to be read, I'll read it at your wedding. And it is read at most weddings, and it's a lovely passage for, for weddings. However, let me add a footnote, you know, you know, like they ask you to do when you're writing a, a term paper or a, a thesis, make a footnote uh, and, and, and acknowledge the source. The source or when we read... Um, this at weddings, it's usually to celebrate uh, the love between a man and his wife at the marriage ceremony, right? It, it's about love. However, <laughs> we have learned that, especially because I like to expositorily teach you word by word, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, we trudge through the Bible book by book and then once we finish it we'll just go right back to the beginning and start over at some point this this chapter 13 the love chapter it, it won't we don't understand what it means unless we understand what chapter 12 says so to read it in context it allows us to understand why it was written and, and I'm going to tell you even though it's applicable at some level to marriage, it's not about marriage. The section in, in, in chapter 12 focuses on the spiritual gifts in the church and how the body of Christ edifies each other and effectively using these gifts blesses the church and honors the Lord. Okay? So this passage, which is lovely, how many of you guys like it? I mean, who doesn't like the love chapter? Love you. Love you. Go to the love chapter, and that's what love means. But it's not, it's not, not that it can't apply, and I want to make sure not to offend anybody because I read it at your, at your marriage, and now I'm telling you that it's actually not about 
that kind of love, even though it has an application at some level, because God's love is God's love, right? Am I on that right uh, there, Brother Gerald? Yeah, I was going to say Dr. Gerald, but, you know, you know, he might not like that. I mean, chapter 12 tells us that God has given the church gifts. We all have gifts that God has given us when we became born again. And these aren't natural gifts. We also have those <laughs> that we were born with in our DNA. You know, some people can draw, some people can sing. I can do neither. But, you know, I do whistle pretty nicely. Right? We all have gifts, but those are not the natural gifts. These are supernatural gifts, divine gifts that God gives us for the edifying of the body, to use them to grow and edify the church. So I just want to make sure we understand that part. And God has given the body a diversity of gifts, right? So they, they would function together as one, as one that we might be uh, in harmony, synchronized, uh, in unity. That's the whole point. And so that His kingdom is expanded, His gospel is shared, and uh, each and every one of us have an opportunity to grow in His grace, to be discipled, to go out and evangelize, and bless others also with what we've been blessed with. Spiritual gifts, then, um, were present in the, in the church of Corinth. Interesting, I've said this before, I'll say it again. They were probably the most gifted of churches. Uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1.7. They had the right doctrine in place. But they also were the church with the most problems. You know why? Okay, let me say it again because some of you are like wondering what I'm going to, and I want to make sure this point is established. They were the, the, the most gifted of churches, at least the ones Paul wrote to. And their doctrine was solid. Why? Because who was their, who was their pastor or their apostle? Paul. Couldn't have any better doctrine than Paul's doctrine. Right? He even wrote two letters to them trying to correct things. But there was, there was a problem. They, they had a lot of problems. And you know why? Love was absent. Just look at the second part of this from four on. It talks about what love is, right? And it also talks about what love's not. Like, I'll get to the love is later in the sermon, but I want to just jump ahead because I want to show you he wrote this because these were the problems. What were they? It is not arrogant. There is an arrogance in this church so loaded with gifts. God did not give us the gift so we would feel superior to others. He did not give us the gift so that others would feel insuperior. Right? There was rudeness in the church. Why would he write it if there wasn't rudeness? Why would I tell you that there are ham sandwiches on the menu if there are not ham sandwiches on the menu? Right? This is what Paul and why he wrote it. We have to always think, why was this written? Does it matter not only in the first century, but does it matter in the 21st century? Yes, of course. Right, George? Yeah. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so are people. 
So the warning is given here. They were, they were, they were arrogant. They were rude. They insisted on their own way. What's that called? Selfishness. It's my way or the highway. <laughs> well, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. It's his way or no way. I like to say how I was talking with uh, Brother Gerald back there about uh, Calvinism. And uh, there is a uh, solo Christos uh, doctrine, which is true, which means only Jesus. There's only his way in the body of Christ. We don't get to like be a little bit country and a little bit rock and roll. We can't be, I, I kind of prefer to lean a little bit more to the rock and roll myself, but then you might lean a little bit to the country and then there's the division. We're already not in agreement. It's his way. And as a body, we want to all be on the same page. It's Christ's way or no way. Amen? All right. So what other problems did they have? There was uh, irritableness, lack of patience with each other, resentfulness, jealousies, envies, right? That's what that means. It doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing. So if there had been some wrongdoing, there are some people in the, in the church going, man, I'm so glad they got theirs. Payback. That's what they're talking about. There was that kind of stuff going on in the body of Christ. That's why he says, do not rejoice at wrongdoing. Hey, oh man, he deserved to be smacked. He deserved that to be slugged in the, in the, in the nose. You know, they're, ah, good, hey, in secret, hey, man, good job, man, you told him. He got his. That's not how we operate in a church. But Amino, you know that? You get it? It rejoices. It then goes back to what love is. So I'm going to go with that chapter, verse 4 on. I'm going to go back to it because I want to look at what love is. But I wanted to establish this truth that Paul is making that particular uh, body of believers understand that yes, you have spiritual gifts. Yes, you have uh, abilities, you have uh, uh, qualities, you have characteristics that could be beneficial to the church. The doctrine is sound because I'm the one presenting it to you. However, you lack love. Love is absent. And I can tell you, wherever love is absent in a church, that's a church that's on its, going the wrong direction and on its way down the wrong path. Amen? So, man, we really need to get this. We need to understand this. And so, Paul is going to proceed to describe to us what love is. And we already are learning at this point that the spiritual gifts we have are worthless without being performed and without being motivated by love. Okay? And this is the agape love. This is God's love. It's that unconditional love that we learn about when we see Jesus going to Calvary's cross on our behalf and in spite of the fact that we were not deserving. It's that, that love that gives and gives and gives without anything and expected in return. That's agape love. It's that love that doesn't keep a record not only of how much you did, 
But what you didn't do if you're the object of the person's love, like for instance, you know, I'll scratch your back, but hey, you've got to scratch my back. No, this God's love is just scratch your back forever. I know it's a dumb analogy, but I'm trying to wake you up. Well, I did that for you, and so you're constantly keeping, like if you would, a spreadsheet or a balance sheet of credits and debits on, uh, towards each other. That's not God's love. God's love doesn't even have a spreadsheet. Excel doesn't exist in heaven. If it were to exist, we are so far in debt, we could never pay it off. But he came, it says in the scriptures, that, and he cried out from Calvary's cross, Tetelestai, which is paid in full. He who had no debt, he paid the debt of those that had it. I love that song. He owed a debt. I'd rather I owed a debt. I could not pay. He paid a debt. He did not owe amazing grace. I know I don't sing it. That's why I'm not in the praise group. It's love. By love, I'm not there. I don't want to run you guys off. <laughs> so, Paul's going to explain to us and insist on clarifying to this body of believers in the first century and to this one in the 21st century in the beautiful city of Rialto that without love, your spiritual gifts are worthless. Amen? If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, so if I speak in many languages, tongues of men, or the, the, the tongues of angels, which could be the heavenly language, right, of the glossolalia, very likely that was being abused by the very Corinthians. He said, if I speak in all kinds of languages, angels and men, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I'm just an annoying distraction. That's what it's saying. Everybody say to me out loud together, blah, blah, blah. That's what you are without love. I like what I heard someone say yesterday in a conference I went to. Hey, don't tell me you love me. Show me you love me. Right? Don't get, be all poetic about it and then turn around and like mistreat me, treat me bad. Not love me. So you can have the most amazing ability to speak, whether it be in the language of men or angels, but if you don't have love, you're just a bunch of noise. Right? A noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And here's what I have to say. Without love, you're empty when it comes to serving the Lord. You're, you're, and you always notice that, that there are those empty people without love, they're always noisy, right? Because they don't have the love of God filling their hearts. Oh, sometimes, you know, and, and it is love only that allows us to be able to bear with those people. But sometimes you want to say, oh, please be quiet. And that's why Paul wrote it too. And if I have prophetic powers, wow, what a gift. Prophetic powers. Be able to have a word about the future, God's purposes and God's will, 
and understand all mysteries. I mean, this is a person, you know, this is someone that um, you, you can't get this, these kinds of gifts. That is uh, a powerful prophecy and, and, and understand all mysteries and have all knowledge. You, you can't get that at no school of theology. That, that's a gift from God, right? And he said, if you were to have all those things, and if I have all faith, boy, we could all use, like, have all faith. But, and, and so, so much faith that I could say to a mountain, be, be removed, right? It says there in verse 2. But, notice that there's the, the however part. We transition from the reality that, that prophetic powers and understanding all mystery and having all knowledge and having such a great faith to move mountains. But I don't have love. What does it say there? I am Nothing. Or we could say it in Spanish, I am nada. That, 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 that's, you know, when I read this stuff, boy, it puts me in a, in a place of a contemplation and meditation and saying, wow, Lord, I, I wouldn't want to come up to this pulpit without a heart of love, without a heart of joy, without having spent the time to be able to break it down for you and for you to leave here saying, hey, I think I, I, think I got the pastor really kind of, the Lord helped me to understand something here. And, and I, I really don't think church, uh, and I would be willing to be the first one to leave, shut the doors, if we're not striving to love this way, because what it's telling us here, if we don't, everything we do, whatever it may be, and, and whatever ministry you have, whether it's teaching, whether it's evangelizing, whether it's pastoring, whether it's as a, 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 an apostle who goes and, and, and starts up churches, if there's no love, it's, it's worthless. It, it, it means nothing. You are nothing. Doesn't it say that? So it's a worthy endeavor to strive to understand what love is and to pray and ask God that we would be sensitive enough and that we would be directed enough, willing to be directed by the Holy Spirit because the, the gift, uh, uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love. So, so we would like put ourselves to, the, to one side, that we would surrender, that we would yield, that we would take up our cross and follow Him. And thus, what we're doing is allowing love to flow through us as channels for God to touch the world or to help each other. That, that's our goal. And if not, I, I will be the first one to hand in the keys. So I'm making an effort here to... to here at the beginning of 2023, for this small body of believers, but all we need is one, one person to get it, uh, to love Christ's way as, as we strive to serve and we try to minister to people. It's going to make a difference. It's going to make a big difference. And thank you for your ministry, if you have one, and or your service and in whatever capacity that may be. Maybe you just pick weeds around here. Well, you're just as important as a person who is teaching uh, here at the pulpit. We're all joined together in koinonia, which means participation. Our participation here, our goal, our purpose here is for Christ's kingdom to be extended, for the gospel to be shared. And in the meantime grow in our faith and get to that finish line and hear him say, enter into my kingdom, you good and faithful servant.
That's it. That's the goal. How many of you want to come along with me? All right. Praise the Lord. Amen. I like that. I like that. So if I could speak with tongues and uh, uh, men and angels but have not love, I'm, I'm just a bunch of noise. And, and if I have this prophetic powers and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge and if I have all faith so as to actually remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. So without love, our ministry and service are worthless. That's what he's saying. They mean nothing. They're useless. They're ineffective. And they're self-serving. That's what he's saying here. Oh, let's pray for the love of God, which is already, according to Romans 5, shed on our hearts, poured into our hearts. Amen? So the Corinthian church missed the motive, and they missed the goal of the gifts. Let me explain that. They made the gifts their own goal. Right? Let me do it this way. They love the gift more than the giver of the gifts. <laughs> That's sad in a relationship. Where's my ring from Tiffany's? What do you mean you got a Cracker Jack ring? You gone. Next. <laughs> right? They love the gift more than the giver of the gift. There's a problem there for the church. Because then they take the gift and they exalt themselves. That's where the arrogance come from. That's where all these things that he's talking about there in verse number 5. The rudeness and the irritableness and the resentfulness because they turned the gift into something that would benefit them and not others. That would give them prestige and position and not give the honor and the position to the Lord. Look at me. I'm super spiritual. I even wear a red cape. It's a super spiritual one in a church. All you little minions down there, look at me. That's what it becomes. And that's what Paul was trying to avoid. You know that the Christians in Corinth had a, a, a wonderful blessing in that Paul was their apostle. When he saw this error, you know what he did? He got their attention back on love. He got their attention back on Christ. So it goes on to say in verse 3, if you give away all I have, wow, that's, that, that's generous. You know, give away, does it say all I have? All? Well, that's, that would be really impressive if you gave away all you have. I'm not talking about some, all. Right? If that were to happen, and, I, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, in other words, if I were to literally sacrifice my life for you, or you were to do it for, for someone, but I have not love, guess what? I gain nothing. It's useless. It doesn't matter. You just wasted your life. See, Jesus kind of alludes to this to the Pharisees in a passage uh, where he says, you know, you guys go to pray, but you're like hypocrites because you... 
you love to pray standing in the synagogues, and you love to pray standing on the street corners, but you do it to be seen of men. You, you want to be, you, you be recognized. And um, you know what he said about them? They have their reward. When they get to heaven, the Lord's not even going to acknowledge anything that they did. They got what they got. They got the praise of men. They're people pleasers. And some people in ministry, that's what they want. However, here's what I would say. Jesus goes further and says, hey, when you pray, if that's your ministry, and it should be every Christian's ministry to pray and intercede for others, for the church, for the world, for the lost, right? And, and if you do that in secret in your room when you go and pray, you close the door, you pray to your Father who is in heaven, who is unseen, then you will have your reward from Him. Because he sees everything. And what it's trying to say here is that he sees your heart. And here's what I want you to do today. I want you to look at your heart. Do you serve? Do you love others Christ's way? Because we have the prerequisite. We have his love already. And if he gave us his love and we've received it and accepted it, how can we not then share it? Because that's how it works. So I say... Quietly serve. And the Lord will see it. Quietly serve. And the Lord will see it. I had someone tell me one time years ago. As they were saying. Unfortunately a very rude goodbye to me. Nothing that I did. But they felt justified. Look in the parking lot. I was trying to convince them. Hey pray about it and. You guys don't know a lot of things that I experience. I just keep it to myself. I'm sharing some of it now. Because it goes with this. They said, and they looked at this building over here. They said, nothing's ever going to happen here. I've already been here like some 10 years. Serving the Lord. And I thought, wow. It's so easy to say that when you're not the one laboring in the vineyard. So easy to tear down. But it takes love to be consistently serving the Lord without fanfare. Just you and Him. That's my challenge is that your heart be in connection with His heart. And then we'll all see that, that to be true by how you love others. Not because you came in and showed us and told us how much you love others. But because you demonstrated it. You showed it. Yeah. You can give away all you have. You can deliver for your body to be burned. You can uh, do all those things. Uh, but uh, if you don't have love, it, it's useless. How many of us want our lives to be useless in the kingdom? Ah, man. I woke up this morning. <sighs> And I get my coffee and then I'll really start. I'd like to just be useless today. But if you don't love someone, that's what you just did. You don't show love and compassion and mercy and all those things associated with love. We're going to look at the fruit of the Spirit real quickly at the end of the sermon. It's nothing. Remember the blah, blah, blah that I talked about earlier? That's how it fits. It's just noise. But rather... Love is 
kind, rather patient and kind. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing or evil. But, and now Paul will, it's kind of like a two books. What love is, what love's not, and then, what, and then he closes what love is again. So we are sure about it. And he says, it rejoices with the truth. Lord help us as a church to rejoice in truth even when it hurts. Because if you don't rejoice with truth, here I go again. You're living a life of lies. You can live 20, 40, 60, 80 years, and it was all a lie. If you don't rejoice in the truth, if you don't face the truth, and Jesus said, and of course we all know the verse, but we need to know what it means. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Set you free to do what? To serve. To love. To minister. To make an impact. To matter in the kingdom. Not for your benefit or credit, but for the honor and glory of Christ. And you don't need to tell anybody what you do. You just do it. They don't need to wake you up on time, get here on time. You come on time because you want to. I'm not here to chastise those of you that are late, but some of you are. But I love you. I've never said anything about it. Oh, wait a minute, I just did. I always like to say in class, things like when the kids got their phone out. There's someone out, someone out their phone out and they're using their phone right now. I'm not going to mention names. Tanya. So you disarm them a little bit, and then you tell the name, tell on them anyway. Not that you were doing that; I'm just use an example. Love rejoices in the truth. Just face the truth. One one thing that we need to do is we need to learn, and I think it's so healing. At some, at some point in our lives, and, and we should have and we need to do it when we first come to Christ, but even as we follow him, sometimes our lives get burdened with, with sin, secret sins. You know what we need to do with those? We need to lay them at the feet of Christ and say, hey, I'll use this silly analogy that I always use, if it's the big toe on the right foot that's offending the Lord. Spell it out, Lord. It's the big toe on the right foot. We just need to be transparent. Love rejoices in the truth. And you can't really serve and know what love is to serve if you understand that you've got to live in the truth. The Lord forgives us for those truths in our lives that are not pleasant. He forgive you. You don't have to be paralyzed and live with guilt and fear 
and anger and bitterness and resentment, all that can go away because you come to him and you confess it and then you turn from it with his help. Obviously, you can't even do it without his help and you walk toward those goals that are in Christ. Got to let him go so that you can walk forward and serve with a pure heart because we have a holy God. We're not hiding anything from him. He sees us in bright daylight. We're fooling ourselves. We don't want to live as fools or live in lies. We want to live in the truth and we want to live in His righteousness. So spell it out. And I don't know why. I, I just, that stuff's not even in my notes. It just came to my heart. So it must be the Lord. Let it go. Sometimes I just go like this, and you might think it's silly, but sometimes if you do something tangible to acknowledge something spiritual, sometimes I find myself and I just go like this. <laughs> I'm done. That's it. If that's what you need to do, which I do, when something comes in my head or I see a, a potential or a temptation. I just say, get thee behind me, Satan. Right then and there. This does not look good. People say, well, if at, 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 at least what you're doing is acknowledging that issue. You can do it your own way. Not, you, don't have to do it. you don't have to do this. That's just me. You guys are laughing, hopefully because you're getting it, right? So, if all these things represent love from verse 4 all the way, and some things that love's not, then what we come to acknowledge and realize is that when the fruit of the Spirit are, is exercised in our lives, then ministry and service are being realized. True ministry, useful ministry, profitable ministry and service is being realized. Because in your loving people, look what Galatians 5, 22 to 23 says. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And here's what I love about this verse, these two verses. How Paul says, against such things there is no law. In other words, you're free to do them. There's no law. You, you, you can do them. It's okay. Have love in your life and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness. It's okay. Go for it. Church. That's what he's saying. There's no law against it. And doing this service this way, God's way, is truly being a servant of God. Amen? Paul would write to the Corinthians again in 2 Corinthians 5.14. And I love this verse because it says, as he's trying to encourage them to, to do the right thing, right? For, he says, and gives them the, the reason and motivation of why we want to do the right thing. He says, for the love of Christ compels us. 
The love of Christ compels. It's the engine that makes the train go, if you will. It's without it, we don't have an engine. Try getting in your car today and cranking it up without an engine. That's what it is to serve without love. But you can pretend. Unfortunately, what a misery and miserable way to do it. I like also what Paul says to the Philippians in chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Let nothing, and here we go, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness or humility of mind, let each esteem others better, that is more important, than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And this is in the context of Jesus leaving heaven and taking on upon himself flesh in the incarnation. He left his glory and he became a servant. He reduced himself so that we could be reached and our needs met because of what he did at Calvary's cross. And I'll end with this. Let's see what time it is. Oh, good. One more minute. Not that I keep time. This verse has always been a, a one to bless me. In those times when I'm doing my work as, as a pastor, it, things can be somewhat difficult sometimes and even discouraging. And Thank you for your prayers. Paul says to this group, the Colossians, and I like how, it's, how it starts, whatever you do, so all of you qualify for and have the prerequisite to apply this verse to your life. Whatever you do, whatever that is, right? It says work heartily. In other words, do with all 100% of your heart. As for the Lord and not for men. Forget about people. I'm talking about when they're critical and over-opinionated and want to tell you what you did wrong or they, all of a sudden they're gone. You were depending on them. They stabbed you in the back. I don't know. Whatever you do, it says here, do it heartily, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. You know, I learned some years ago. I, you know, I'm a teacher at Marine Valley High School District. We have a superintendent. I've met him. He knows me. I know him. I have a principal who started with me together in the same department, and he's moved up because that's the path he wanted to take. I'd have to say we have a very good relationship. But, you know, I don't work for... I don't work for Philip. He's the principal. I don't work for Dr. K. Kid Ziora. I know I get their paycheck at Sismarino Valley Unified School District, but I don't work for them. You don't work for anyone. Who do you work for? Who do you live for? For the Lord. That's why whatever you do, do it heartily for Him. Amen? Knowing, and then this is also what motivates us, that from the Lord, since you're doing it for Him, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. So the weight of the suffering 
The weight of the issues of our life can't even compare to the weight of glory that we will receive one day. There's not even a comparison. Yes, it is tough here sometimes, but it's nothing compared to the glory, the inheritance that we will be rewarded. And yes, he will be rewarded, but we don't do it to get the gift. We do it because we love the giver of the gift. I'll say it again, and I think it's the third time. And then it finishes, you are serving the Lord Jesus. Colossians 3, 23 and 24 for you note takers. Colossians 3, 23 and 20 to 24. You are serving the Lord. Wow. You know he's king of king and lord of lords? It matters. May the Lord richly bless you. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, Thank you again for your word. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to understand what it means to be a servant in your kingdom. And help us to see, Lord, that, that is not only a blessing, it's, it's a privilege. And, Lord, it, it's an honor because it's for you. And you have done so much for us that it can never be repaid. And we're not trying to repay you. We're simply demonstrating, Lord, that we understand and we want to reciprocate, Lord, back to you and to others. We want to be a channel. We want to be an instrument, a tool in your hands to bless others. As you have blessed us, as you have forgiven us, we forgive. As you have loved us, we love. Father, this is a message. Help us, Lord, to do all of this heartily, with a pure heart, with with motivation of love and mercy and compassion. We thank you, Lord. We, we bless your holy name, Lord. Speak to and help those, Lord, that need to hear this and to apply this to their lives. What a, what a, what a joy, Lord, to know, Father, that, that we live for you and only you. And you're so good to us. You're so gracious. Help us to grow, Lord. Help Cross Point Community Church to love you with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. And their neighbor as themselves. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.